Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artifacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. In this episode, Dr. Malika Loisinger pictures post-colonial Indian perspectives. Through Debalina Majumdar and Manobina Roy's European Photographs, published in the Illustrated Weekly of India in 1959 and 1960. In 1931, the twin sisters Debalina and Manobina celebrated their 12th birthday in the North Indian town of Ramnagar. Behind the scenes stood their father. Vinod Bihari Senroy, a renowned local teacher and also a card-carrying member of London's Royal Photographic Society, established in 1853. And the gift he presented to them, a small Agfa Brownie camera, bridged these two different worlds, as the girls themselves navigated Indian society on the precipice of independence from British colonial rule. The twins soon transitioned to their own dual-lens medium-format cameras, like the Roly Cord and the Roly Flex, but they always remembered their father's original encouragements to use their camera to photograph both prolifically and with deliberation, to take meticulous notes and keep albums, and to exhibit their work. This culminated in their collection of street photographs of Europe, taken during their six-month tour across London, Paris and Geneva in 1959 and 1960. During this trip, the twins spent every free moment in parks, streets, theatres and shops, their cameras hanging ever ready over their saris. Once home, Monobina published a selection of these images in two articles, one entitled A Sunday Afternoon in Hyde Park and the other Impressions of Moscow, in the Illustrated Weekly of India, one of India's most read and respected English magazines. In these images, the metropoles of Europe and the former colony of India, the colonizer and the colonized themselves, feature in the same frames. They reflect a world of imperial consumption, sociality, and aesthetic and epistemological production. As such, they expose imperial entanglements and post-colonial solidarities of gender, race and class, and how amateurism is not just personally but also politically generative. The twins' Agfa Brownie was little more than a black box, but as the media scholar Sabina Gadihok has argued, it was an object that, in the context of 20th century India, allowed women to do things that they normally did not do. It allowed them to wander, to look and to stare. This was especially the case for Monobina and Debolina, who were from a Badralok family, Badralok being the Bengali term for well-mannered and denoting the respectable, educated, professional and mostly upper-caste section of Indian society in colonial times. The twins were rather mischievous young girls and it is said that Senroy decided to give them a camera to keep them out of trouble. Once they married and moved into separate households, their practice was limited to photographing domestic signs and family events. Monobina moved to Bombay to support the career of her filmmaker husband Bimal Roy, who would become famous 
for social realist films that captured the post-colonial Indian imagination. She sometimes took portraits of their distinguished acquaintances, including Jawaharlal Nehru, who became the first Prime Minister of India after its independence from the British in 1947. Beyond his radical domestic reforms, he took a leading role in the international non-aligned movement. Cultural interchange under Nehru was forged around this Indian cosmopolitanism and following historian Shiruparoy, bureaucratic, even Nehruvian nationalism. But the twins enjoyed a class privilege distinct from their wider audiences back home. They were literary enthusiasts, conversant in English, Sanskrit, Hindi, Persian and Bengali. Throughout their careers, they read widely and authored letters to pen pals around the world, columns for newspapers, and, in Monobina's case, an unfinished memoir. At first, the twins' European images seem the most straightforwardly photojournalistic moments of their practice. Published back at home, they attempted to communicate sights as truths to their family and fellow Indians. Debelina later sent some of these prints from the European trip to the Centre for the Studies in the Social Sciences in Calcutta, where they were digitised under titles like City Lights, Piccadilly Circus, Nurses at Work, Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, and Two Indian Ladies at Champs-Élysées. One of Monobina's photographs depicts a woman's upper body as she reads. The framing is very close, her wrinkles visible, and yet she seems to be unaware that she has been caught on camera. According to her daughter, Renki, Monobina simply had to photograph this woman as she so reminded her of Miss Marple from the Agatha Christie novels she adored reading in India. It is this same atmospheric quality that pervades images of shop windows, vendors and stalls, where the space they were moving through is stopped, concentrated, emphasised by a table of books or the front page of a newspaper or a sheet of glass. Perhaps they were drawn to this ready-made framing. Or perhaps they were delighted by the chance to see without being seen, their subjects being so completely absorbed in their own acts of looking. Through social documentation, these photographs also expose the perceptions of Europe in India and the gaps between these expectations and reality. Challenging their colonial education and imagination of Europe, the women were differently surprised and often disappointed by the world they saw through their lenses. Many of Monobina's photos also feature London's thick fog, heavy and obscuring arches and unsociable street corners. The backs of passers-by are often turned to the camera, either because they were figures she was keen to keep her distance from, or simply could not get close to. All of these are present in a photograph entitled A Mild Pea Super, taken, according to her handwritten notes, at Aldwych, opposite BBC, with an aperture of six and three quarters on a November afternoon in London, where, as specified via a repetition that suggests her incredulity, dusk sets in at about 3pm in the afternoon. The twins' cameras register London as an uncomfortable, inaccessible and alienating space. At times, it seems they were unable to control the camera in the face of too many people, such blurriness and abrupt framing reflects what Judith Butler calls the up-againstness of photography. This aesthetic is partly a return to the soft-focus pictorialism of the early 20th century amateur photography on which the twins were brought up. 
but it was also common in other cultural productions and confrontations of visitors and migrants to London at the time. Fog is a recurring metaphor in Sam Selvin's 1956 novel The Lonely Londoners, which chronicles the migrant experience in the wake of the 1948 SS Windrush arrivals. The openly gloomy and desolate character of the city similarly undercuts all promise of familiarity, refuge and civility in Natalia Ginsburg's essay, England, Eulogy and Lament, written during her exile from Italy in 1960. For Ginsburg, the terraced houses of London formed the built environment through which white, middle-class British notions of privacy and every-man-to-himself attitudes keep out foreigners, especially those used to other, more communal ways of relating to each other and to their surroundings. Monobina's illustrated weekly article, A Sunday Afternoon in Hyde Park, was an especially searing social critique of the former imperial metropole. Monobina wrote how she witnessed a black speaker being hooted as a liar as he recounted his bitter experiences with the white people. A Hindu orator was also jeered at by some as he talked on Vedanta. Just rot! I was particularly annoyed to see two youngsters of about 10 or 12 leering at the elderly speaker and asking him who taught him to wear a suit and from whom he got his shoes. Some of the listeners encouraged the boys by joining in on the laughter. I was so angry that I cried out to the amazement of bystanders. How very badly these children are brought up. Insulting an elderly man? We wouldn't have tolerated it in our country. At this outburst, those around me suddenly looked sheepish and stopped laughing. Monobina's words made no bones about the racist environment in which these two men of colour sought to speak up for themselves. In stubborn opposition to the marginalisation and silencing they experienced on that Sunday afternoon, the photographs Monobina chose to include show the men in dignified animation towering above the crowd. These images draw attention to the righteous and patriotic stance Monobina adopted in response to racism, using the language of civility so commonly associated with and used by the British to shame them, and in this case to suggest that the Indians they had colonised and sought to civilise since the 1850s were more civilised. But the twins' artistic endeavours also carried their own imperial assumptions. Monobina later wrote that A pavement artist claiming to be the oldest in the profession in London objected vehemently when I tried to photograph him at Hyde Park Corner with his interesting collection of paintings. He was so rude to me that I came away in a huff from the gaping crowd, which was apparently quite startled to see an Indian woman in this angry mood. I was more successful with the next artist, but just as I snapped him, he stepped in front with his back to me, obscuring the view of his paintings. I could not help thinking how willingly people in India allow themselves or their surroundings, however sordid, to be photographed by foreigners. Monobina's comparison of the unequivalence of foreigners photographing in India and her photographing in London is a revealing post-colonial critique, but it also speaks of the twins' own privilege and their elite class perspective of India. She claims Indians willingly allow themselves to be photographed, 
But how does she, as a middle to upper class, educated, publicly known and respected woman fit into this assumption? Would she allow herself to be photographed? The class angle of this ability to claim and name what constitutes Indianness, to print, frame, exhibit and circulate their photographs, and even to point and shoot in the first place, is equally integral to their amateurism. And yet in every instance, the camera and the very act of photographing continuously challenges any ability and refuses such authority in speaking over and through any captioning or easy narrativization. Comments on the backs of the print suggest that the twins located themselves as observers of a foreign culture, of other people, but perhaps also of themselves, in a detached, matter-of-fact and yet poignant way. Amateur photography thus shaped the twins' own mindsets and challenged the colonial stereotypes perpetuated in their childhood. The term amateurism appears in and applies specifically to the discourse, practice and circulation of photography beginning in the late 19th century by people identifying, at times defending themselves as amateur photographers. The twins' official entry into amateur photography was marked by their involvement in the Portfolio Club of the United Provinces Photographic Association. This was, according to Debolina's daughter Carmelini, a unique system whereby members sent in one photograph per person, along with a comment sheet. The relevant details about the photograph had to be provided by the photographer. After that, all the photographs collected were put into a folder and circulated amongst the members. Each member had to pen comments about the other photographs before returning the folder. After doing a complete round, the photographs were returned to the people they belonged to. The stamps and stickers on the backs of prints associated with the twins attest to the trans-regional reach and resonance of this amateurism. One of their prints traversed the UP Amateur Photographic Association Lucknow in 1939, and then a photographic exhibition patronised by the Governor of Bengal and held by the Lens Club Calcutta in 1940, and then the Third Benares All India Salon, organised by the Photographic Society of Bangalore. Another print moved through the 1965 All India Photographic Association, hosted by the Vishaka Camera Club and the 1966 Andhra Pradesh Salon of Photography, hosted by the Mabubnagar Camera Club. The fact that the twins grew up amidst these indigenous networks of amateur photography, alongside their father's Anglophine interpretation of it, perhaps explains why Monobina was able to assert herself with such confidence and entitlement in the hustle and bustle of Hyde Park and in the pages of the Illustrated Weekly of India. Debolina chose to speak of her own photography through the uncanny framework of a recurring dream. At the age of 81, she told an interviewer, I used to dream that I am going to London or somewhere, and then, after going to the airport on the plane, I discover I haven't got my camera. I begin to cry. What will I do without my camera? I had that sort of an attachment with it. Somebody once told me that the eye is better than the camera, I said, that is all fine, but I would like to go over memories, things as I saw them then. Debolina invokes the camera as part of herself. It constitutes her subjectivity, her memories, her mobility, her subconscious. She is protected by her camera, and without it, she is disoriented. 
Undoubtedly, the camera was the predominant lens through which she perceived the world and others. Understanding cultural exchange through the twins' camera work demands more than tracing their geographical and geopolitical remit. Amateurism is a protective impulse of cloaking oneself in the armour of apprenticeship and imperfection, of feigning or claiming ignorance so as not to be called out as a trespasser. But this inclination towards getting absorbed, getting too close and getting carried away is as essential to the dynamic or the two-way flow of the twins' European photograph. Empire Lines is produced by Jelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.